welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. I am excited. We are starting a brand new series called The Bride. And like Mark had mentioned to you, we're going to be diving into the different words spoken to the seven different churches that were in Asia. And um, I want to, uh, before we start, I do want to take a second um, before we get into the word. And I want to bring up John Guetta. He had a a word of encouragement. Um, For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm one of the church counselors. And we have our elders that are our tip of the spear. They're our prayer warriors. And we have our council members that are our we're the people that take care of the finances. That's not to say we don't pray, because we do. We do pay attention to what God's telling us. But you know, we deal with more of that business administration. I just wanted to give you a little framing as to why Jordan called me up here in the first place. <laughs> take a look around, right? And I know that walking into you know, a building, especially when it doesn't have as many people as it used to, is not easy. My wife and I have been involved in church plants, one of which started in our living room with 10 people. Well, the next week when it was nine people, a little discouraging, (laughs) right? God has a purpose for this group here. And frankly, that first church I was in would have killed for this place. Good heavens. Don't be discouraged by what's going on. The Holy Spirit meets us whenever two or more people gather in Christ's name. That's right. We have got a strong group of people here. And I know that we have, you know, the summer rolling in and people will be in and out, and that is okay. We all need to be able to, to live our lives, but we also need to make sure that no matter what we see here, we're constantly looking up. God has a huge plan for this place. When I walked in, I walked over and I showed Jorgen a picture. I was in Pembroke this morning because I was helping out with the, the offering. And I took a photo. There was barely an empty seat during the worship. It's packed with people. That school, that, that church rather, started in a school. Just like this. So it may feel like we've taken you know, a little bit of a step back, but we haven't. Sometimes when we go through processes like this, the people that are here and the people that God has moved into other places will all learn from it and the kingdom will grow because of it. So be encouraged that you're here for a reason. Jorgen and Sarah, you guys are here for a reason. This isn't about any of us. It's all about him. So as we're going through it, understand that God's here with us and for us and nothing's going to stop us. Thank you. Amen. Amen. And um, I want to just jump off of that. The Lord, when everything kind of came about, I'll just take the, this is the, my little fire room, fireside chat here. Um, When when everything kind of went down the way it did, when God um, impressed on the hearts of the leadership and to ask Sarah and I to come up here to do this, um, I'm going to be fully honest with you. I was not that excited. (laughs) <laughs> okay, and there are many reasons for that. First of all, um, as much as I would say I'm pretty flexible and go with the flow and all, I think sometimes change is difficult, even for me. And I, if you guys know anything about Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP, and I'm a spontaneous animal. But um, 
the thing is, is that change is still disruptive. It's disruptive to what, you know, we get into grooves. But the, sometimes God does these changes for a reason. And, and the growth, the challenges, the things that he brings into us personally are really, really important for us to traverse. Um, I was listening to Ravi Zacharias about suffering and how suffering is, is necessary for our Christian walk. That's a whole other series we won't get into today. <laughs> but what I wanted to say was that it, it, there's a little bit of suffering that we go through in the midst of change. And I will say that um, I was not excited, but what God did within my heart pretty, pretty quickly, uh, standing up here three Sundays ago, the Lord dropped a bomb in my heart, a one word and said, Manchester is a bridge. And when he said that, there was an impartation of vision. And we, we I'm, I'm praying on that. I am praying on that word, that God would continue to give it um, greater clarity. I'm beginning to see what that actually means. What that, what, but I also want to be good about revealing things on a timely basis. But God has given me vision uh, for this campus. And when my, I, my heart broke that moment, is what I'm trying to say. My heart broke for this campus and for you. I, I was truly moved. And within one word, the Lord changed my heart towards this campus, towards each and every one of you. And I have been excited about coming to church every Sunday since. And the setting up of the, the, the church, the, getting in here and doing chairs and, and getting things ready, doing stuff that, you know, I grew up doing as a kid. Like, who, you know, at some point you're like, all right, all right, let's, let's just find a place to, to uh, have a, let's have a permanent building, a per- permanent place to do church so we don't have to continue to do setup. But in, even in the midst, I'm enjoying serving God. I'm, and this, and this, what I'm talking about right now is going perfectly with the first message of this series. Because I had to return to my first love, Jesus, coming to this campus. And it's an exciting thing for our eyes to be reopened to our first love. And so saying that, perfect little transition in here to this series. And, and we're, we're getting into the book of Revelations. And this is the part of Revelations that's the red letters. This is when Jesus begins to speak to John, his disciple. This is a vision that Jesus speaks to John to pass to all the churches in Asia. And we can see there's a little video we're going to show you exactly where Patmos is. This is where John was hanging out. Not necessarily a deserted island, but an island nonetheless, lucky guy. And he is hanging out on Patmos, just off of Turkey, western side of Turkey there. And God speaks to him and says, I want you to share a word to each church. These things were written down around 95 to 96 AD. And uh, the, the churches that he approaches through the word is Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia and Laodicea. 
And these churches, these seven churches, each one of these things that we can look at, he wants to, he wants to edify them and build them up, but there's also a rebuke in, in almost in each one of these, um, these um, uh, addresses that Jesus makes to each church. But there's a building up. And there are things that we as a church today can learn from and apply to ourselves and this church specifically. So when we look at, when we look at this, I want us as a church to take what we listen, listen to and learn from and apply it to us specifically. Because what he was doing, he was, he was trying to ready his bride. We are his bride. You see, it's not the church building that's the bride. It's you and I. You and I are betrothed to Jesus. This is the time where we are, we are in this holding, not a holding pattern, but a waiting period where we have, Christ has come, has risen again, and we are in a betrothal period of time. And I'm going to read a few verses here where we can see what he was talking about. This is the language. He's trying to get a concept to us. And because he's chosen the church to be his bride, he's also said, Church, would you be faithful to me before we are once and for all united with him? In Ephesians 5, 25 and 27, you can go there with me right now if you'd like. Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. You know what's great about that is what water gets into all the little crevices. Water, when you, if you just use soap, you're not getting into those places. <laughs> but you need water, and water, that, that, it's, it's cleansing, it's refreshing. It's like you wake up in the morning, and when you hit yourself with cold water in the morning, you just, whoa, I'm awake. In the same way, we need to be we need to prepare ourselves and to be washed, to be blameless. This is, the, this is what Jesus does to the church. He gets into the little crevices in, in the, the places of our, of our lives that need to be washed out. And so there, there's a responsibility that we, as his bride, we have a responsibility to... Um, to be faithful to him. And we see this in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. If you can go there with me. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to, one, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. You see that purity that we're talking about? That this is what he's talking about as far as our responsibility to stay faithful to him. And also we see that same language in, in verse 24 in Ephesians 5, verse 24. Now the church 
submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. So it's the second coming of Christ where the church is now going to be reunited with Jesus. A lot of times when we hear something from Revelations, we think of the apocalypse. <laughs> we, we, we think, oh my gosh, and see, that's really uh, the apocalypse, um, apocalypsis. The, the Greek word actually means to reveal, to bring to light which has been hidden. That's what it means. It's not doom, gloom. It's not run for the hills. When we, we, when we read Revelations, what he's doing is he's revealing what has been hidden. For us to be encouraged and built upon, we can look forward to this. So Andy Stanley has something that um, I refer to. When we're wor- we work with uh, different young adults and they go through dating relationships and whatnot, we, we did this series on, um, on dating and love and, and, and what, when people are getting excited, they want to be married and they want to go through. And what I find, Andy Stanley says something that is so powerful, but it applies to us as a church And I'll explain. Andy Stanley says, be the person, the person you're looking for is looking for. You guys follow that? (laughs) Be the person, the person you're looking for is looking for. And in the same way, the church, we need to be, we need to do the same thing. We need to be the church that Jesus Christ, because we're looking to Jesus Christ, we need to be the church that he is looking for. Amen? We have expectations on Jesus, but then when we come together, we say things like, we're just, I'm just a work in progress. True, but a, an excuse. <laughs> We need to become the church, the people that God is coming back for. And that's through submission to him, pure and simple. So we're going to get into Revelations 2. Follow me there if you're there. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to jump to Revelations 2. You're going to see a lot of red letters if you have a Bible like mine. Boom. So, uh, a couple things. You know, do you guys remember when you were in love? Some of you are still in love. (laughs) I know I am. (laughs) Woohoo. But do you remember when you were you were engaged? For you married folks, you were engaged and you were you were just excited. You wanted to go, you wanted to spend every moment with your your spouse or your bride-to-be, your groom-to-be. And you guys did extraordinary things to spend time with people, with, with her or with him. We do crazy things when we're in love. We go out of our way when we're in love. And, and sometimes, I, I was talking with one couple that he, when he got married... He was so in love. This is the first, they were newlyweds. They, they, he would park the car after work and run three flights of stairs to his wife. And he would come to the door like, 
I just ran to see you. <laughs> and, and that, I love that kind of like, go get them. You know, like that, that kind of expression, that, that chasing after that pursuit. But what happens is we kind of get into, we get to know our spouses, we get to become comfortable with them, and we just naturally begin to not do the same things. We get to just, unfortunately, sometimes we take our spouses for granted. So you guys that are not married, you guys could look forward to this part of it too. (laughs) There is ebb and flow, right? But I tell people that are going through marital trouble that if you want to know, if you want those feelings of love to come back again, what you need to do is go back to do the things that you once did when you were dating. To pursue each other. To, I tell guys, go serve your wives. Do, do, like, things that you know that she has asked you to do that you're just, well... I'll get to that. That's the honeydew list. Every guy has a honeydew list, pretty much. And uh, those honeydew lists could just get longer and longer and longer over years. And <laughs> it just happens. But if we desire for those passionate feelings to return, we go into a place, I say, challenge yourself and serve. Serve your wife. Boom. In comes this pursuit. In comes the flood of feelings and emotions. So we need to get beyond, in our church mind, this coexisting with God. Okay? Sometimes we come to the Lord and and we just coexist with him. We're not passionately pursuing him. And if you haven't experienced this in your own life, I know that within your, you know, maybe you're not married or engaged but you probably have seen this in your own parents' lives. It kind of like that coexisting. And I'm just using this as an illustration for us to kind of get to, we have to challenge ourselves. So um, we have to fight this, this natural progression. We have to, we have to make a, a mental um, well, it's like that song, You've Lost That Loving Feeling. Do you guys remember this? We actually have it. Top Gun. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. That's the best rendition of that song in history. I mean, that was pretty good, but I'm sorry, uh, you know, Goose and Maverick. I mean, that, that was uh, where my mind ran, ran off to. Uh, but we have to love like you did at first. You have to do what you did at first. 
And, and it's not about feelings that compel us, but it's a love relationship that compels us to action. Um, I want us to go right into the Word, right into Scripture right now. And let's look right here in Revelations 2. It says this to the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. That sounds like a, that, that, that's admonition right there. Jesus was seeing the things that the church of Ephesus did well. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. That's an exclamation point. Remember where you have fallen from. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You, have, you hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who oversees, I'm sorry, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in, par- in the paradise of God. This is so powerful. Now, the, the lampstands uh, re- and, the, and the stars rep- represent the angels that oversee each church. So each church has an angel over them. And the lampstand is really the, the, uh, the spirit over each church. And Jesus is addressing John, and he's relaying this message to the church. To me, I feel like that there's this, there was uh, this admonition, this, I, I look at what the things that you were doing so well. And then what, what happens in my heart is when I see the rebuke, I get scared. If I was in the church of Ephesus, I would be frightened for what the, the way the Lord said, I, if you do not repent, I'm going to remove that. Basically, your, your place as a church, I'm going to remove it, and you will no longer be. I need to give you a little bit of background, though, where Ephesus was in relation to Asia it was really, uh, the, it, was, it, was, it was a metropolis. It was the, one of the most, it was like the, the Vanity Fair of the uh, Romanized world in Asia. And this was a place where uh, many people came to worship the god Artemis. And it was the, the, uh, the god that, uh, there was so much, debauchery, just like sexual perversion, such deep, deep sin in and around, the sacrificing. It was a very dark place spiritually. People from all around Asia and Europe came and congregated to worship Artemis. And, and it was a fertility god, and it was the, uh, the, the god of the hunt. And it, Artemis was um, the daughter of Zeus, there's a lot of spiritual 
connotation to why this was such an evil place, but it was also one of the freest cities. It was the city that was free, uh, it was ungoverned, yet it was where the Roman governor um, lived, and because of his presence, people just, they just, it was, it was free. You didn't have the localized government in that city, and it was also a place of tremendous commerce. So you have this, like, think about, like, New York City, no, no government, just, just complete sexual immorality to its worst. Uh, and, and here is this church remaining in the middle of it all. And there's something else to be said that when Jesus said, good for you that you were able to stay strong, you have not grown weary in, in being with me and, and honoring me and worshiping me, he also said, you, you did well to, to reject the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And the Nicolaitans were a sect of people that broke off from the early church. It was under the um, leadership of one of the deacons that were put in charge of the early church in, the, in Acts. I can give you the reference. I have to look the reference up to Nicholas, who was a deacon in the church. This deacon basically pulled a whole group of people away from the body. And this, this, they began to practice the te- teachings of Balaam, which was to lord over the people. So they abused their authority, lorded over the people, constrained their worship, and actually led them into sin, into worshiping of idols. That's what Balaam did. Balaam came in and said, hey, look, I can't curse Israel. If you remember Balak, king of Moab, Balaam. Balak came to Balaam and said, hey, curse Israel. And he said, I can't curse Israel, but what I can do is work around you here. I could work around you by getting your, the Israelite men to, to marry the Moabite women. And through a very subtle transition, through sexual immorality, they began to uh, pull down, uh, or it's not pull down, but, but pull into their um, lifestyle gods from the Moabites, which brought Israel into judgment. It was a very calculated move. By Balaam, and the Israelites suffered tremendously, came under the punishment of God because of a wickedness that came in slowly, in and around. It sounded so good, but really, in the end, it brought death and judgment to a peop- his people, Israel. And that's the exact same thing that we see today in the New Testament. In the book of Revelations, they're saying that this, these people still exist. There's a spirit behind it that still exists. And they said, no, we're not going to let that happen. The, the church in Ephesus was awesome. They're like, no to the Nicolaitans. We're not going to participate with you. We're not going to even allow you in our community because you're practicing sexual perversion. You're worshiping other gods. So I see how, as a church, the, the, the church of Ephesus did so well. But here's where I think they got really, really off. They became a church that focused on morality instead of Jesus. They were so concerned about setting themselves apart from the sin that they became completely ineffective. And this is why Jesus came to them. He said, look, you forgot to love me. You became a moral people without the love of Jesus. 
do you see the, the, the state of our church in the United States? Do you see how much we are like the church of Ephesus? We are a church that is so concerned about morality, and yes, we need to be pure and make ourselves pure before our God who is coming. To, we are betrothed to him. We are, we are set apart for him. Yet w- there are people that we, in, in, our, in our own lives, even in my own life, I make a stand on a moral issue. Uh, there are many moral issues that we take stands on. I'm not saying that we, we become soft, but when you focus on morality versus our relationship with Jesus, then we become an ineffectual church. We, we begin to lose our edge and we lose our uh, identity in our community to be the church where God is being worshipped and God is being upheld and Jesus Christ is glorified. Now, what is he talking about? What are these things that, what is it? He, says, he said, love like you did at first and do what you did at first. When morality becomes the focus of any church, it becomes religion. And unfortunately, there also becomes the same Balaam spirit that can enter in underneath, where religion lords over the people and sways the people away from Jesus. It becomes death, not life. So the bottom line is that Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants for us to be fresh and alive in him and to return to that love that we once had. Remember, when when we go through a, a season where our love fades, what do we do? We go back to the things we used to do. I mean, we could all think about that. But remember when you first came to the Lord? It was fresh and it was exciting. There was a lot of, there was just this newness. And you felt free. I want you all to be back in that place. Us as a church, to be back in that place where we love Jesus and return to our first love. So where are you at? Where are you at personally right now with this idea? How is your love for Jesus? I will say that when we are not active in serving Jesus, our love for him will dry up. Not just our emotions for him, but our relationship with him because Jesus wants to do life with you. It's, it no longer becomes immoral. It's not right wing, left wing, <laughs> this agenda, that agenda. Honestly, none of that should even enter the church because if, we're, if we are in love with Jesus Christ we are going to preserve ourselves for him. Didn't he say that those who love me will obey my command? We, when a church goes off into this moral stance, then what happens is you have a people that 
try to do behavior modification (laughs) versus relationship and cultivating that spirit given that he said, I will write my law on your heart. We don't give God enough credit. If you need to know what that means, to be in the word of God more. If you desire the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, you need, the Holy, you need to have the Word of God inside you so that when you hear the Word of the Lord within your heart, you can testify to it say, yeah, that's right, that's in the Word. Right? But he said he will write it on your heart. Guys, our city needs this kind of church. Our city here in Manchester needs a church that is in love with Jesus, that serves Jesus wholeheartedly. And boy, am I, I'm not saying that we are not, but I'm always saying that we can, we can always love him more. <laughs> That's my heart's desire. My heart's desire is that we learn to love God and enjoy God. And then when you love and enjoy God, you do great things. You are compelled to do great things for him. Our first love for Jesus is needed for us to be an effective change, to be an effective change agents for our city. It's kind of like that water that washes into the little crevices And it it works its way through the city streets. And it cleans up the different communities that we're all a part of. The Holy Spirit using us to become change change agents in our city. I talked to a police officer not too long ago. I just happened to be on my way filming a lot of these churches. And uh, stopped into a little pizza joint just off of Kelly Street, I think it was. And a uh, wicked cool place, man. That has some good pizza. And um, I stopped there, and as I was waiting for, for my order, um, I was standing right next to a police officer doing duty. And um, we just began to talk, and I said, what's, the, what's, the, what's one thing that we could do as a church to pray for you? What's, the, what's your greatest issue that you're facing today? And he obviously said heroin. The heroin overdoses here. It's just, and you should have seen his face when he said it. I mean, there was a weight that came with every word. He said, we deal with three heroin overdoses a day in Manchester. A day. It is an epidemic. Think about the Black Plague (laughs) that swept through Europe. I mean, we're dealing with the same kind of effects. People dying left and right because of this Jesus loves the people of Manchester. But when we hate sin to the point that we separate ourselves from the communities that we are supposed to be called into, we become ineffectual for him. So when we as Christians start, begin, you know, I, I know for myself it's a scary thing to get into the communities that need Jesus. Because we've, we've, you know, for myself, grown up in the church. But we need to place ourselves where there is great need and be that light. You have prophesied. 
Erica, about the fact that we are these lights, these broken vessels that have the light of God shining through us, the Spirit of God in and through us, and the, the, the beacon on a hill. That's what this church needs to be, we as people. So I believe that God is going to do some amazing things in and through us, and we're starting small, but God is doing some great things. He, he has encouraged my heart, and he has put on my heart vision, and he has put on my heart what the church looks like when you are a church in love with Jesus. And I am looking so forward to seeing how this plays out over the next year. Jesus had a problem with the Pharisees because of legalistic religion. They were always focusing on the right. But people that focus on morality, uh, they're, they're, leading, they're not leading people into freedom. They, they focus on guilt and shame. And the grace of God that comes over us as a people come when we're in love with Jesus and things change. Now, Jesus asked the church of Ephesus to repent, and I think this is one of the things that we also need to do today as a church, is to repent in our hearts if we have lost that loving feeling. He said, he said recognize this, repent and do. He said, remember where you were? You were, used to be so high up. God values things differently than we value, right? <laughs> I mean, he challenges us. So we're up here. We need to get back into that place where our love was first cultivated. Let's return to the, our first love, and let's see the kingdom of God grow in Manchester and in Pembroke and in Laconia to heal the brokenhearted. There's a little, little um, song that I want to share with you right now. And it's by Sanctus Real. And um, it's going to go up on the screen. And as we listen, I just want us to, I want this, this song to minister to us. And um, let us respond. Amen.
one lost soul that was slipping away. Your heart was soft, you had radiant eyes, and slowly the pressure then burdened the light, pulled you into the dark of the night. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And And he said to me, These are the true words of God. I am excited to be challenged even in my own faith that my heart would return to that first love with Jesus and that the righteous linens that clothe the church are the righteous deeds that are done because we love Jesus. So I'm excited. You know, when I said to the police officer, what can we do? And he said that, I mean, I said, we will be praying for you. And you should have seen the beaming from his face. These guys feel like they're, they're out there all by themselves. And we need, this church can rise up and pray for these police officers. Pray for the people that are working in the streets. Pray for the counselors that are working in our, in our communities. You know, the college here, that's the, the, the kids that come to college here, you know it's a part of the culture. There's so much to be done, not just with the drugs, but just relationship and bringing people to know Jesus Christ, to know the hope of glory. Amen. 
Let's pray. Father, you are a good and merciful God. You are the one that says, good job, and you say, but I got this to work it out in you. And thank you for working this out in us now because we want to be the bride that you desire to come back to, Jesus. So for that, I am grateful. Thank you that we as a church body are going through this as a whole. And you're challenging us. And I thank you and praise you for the work that you're doing here in Manchester in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.